Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Nutwell. And I'm Drew Perot. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. We're back with another pair of episodes on the TV series, The Office. In part one, we're going to look at season one, episode five, entitled Basketball. This is one of the first episodes of The Office that really took off and made this show what it was in people's minds. And it really showcases who the central characters are and who they're going to be throughout the rest of the run of the show. So, of course, we have the titular character, Michael Scott. We have this basketball game that they're going to put on where one team from the office is pitted against one team from the warehouse and whoever wins doesn't have to work on the next Saturday. So Michael's approach to the game is immediately appointing himself as the manager of the office team and Michael, while of course he's perfectly sincere, is his usual confident yet misunderstanding self. So we want to have some empathy for Michael, understanding that, you know, maybe he never had somebody model leadership for him, and that's maybe why he's not able to model it. So instead of focusing on how bad of a boss Michael is here, instead, we want to relate this back to how we can have joy despite some of the turmoil that inevitably happens in our jobs, in our businesses, in our families, wherever we might be. This episode is so relatable because we see the characters in this basketball game all all vying for themselves, at least on the office team. We have Michael, who just believes he is the greatest basketball player ever, despite no evidence that he is. We have Jim trying to show off for Pam. We have Dwight trying to change the game to be how he wants the game to be played. And we get these images of these characters that are all trying to have fun, trying to have joy, but are struggling to do so. And then on the other side, we see a team that nobody is really standing out that Daryl's leading, the warehouse team. A team that is about passing the ball, scoring points for the good of the team. So how might we become less focused on what people think of us, the Michael Scott model, and more about who we are becoming and who we can help other people to become? Welcome to Wonder Tour. All right. Welcome back, Wanderers. It is opposite day here on Wonder Tour, and we've uh, obviously got Michael Scott as our counterexample of what not to do as a leader. Um, but as Drew mentioned, we also have a lot of really good examples of people finding and spreading joy despite the incompetence of those above them or the incoherence of the mission around them. So speaking of people that spread joy in the office, we'd like to introduce our special guest for the episode, Jenny Lee. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenny Lee. I'm an experienced designer, and I'm super excited to be on here today. Drew and I have loved working with Jenny over the years, and this is going to be a lot of fun for the conversation. Most of you who don't know her yet, one of her many superpowers is empathy. So, Jenny, maybe if you want to take us in a little bit, if you watch this episode with empathy as one of the lenses, what did you see? What, what, were, what were your reflections coming in here? Yeah, so in this one, the basketball, uh, we were talking about how Michael is, you know, he's playing in the team and he's kind of taking on the spotlight and not really creating favor for others to shine and play. And, and, and he benches people and things like that. And one of the, the thoughts I had was that, oh, because he's insecure, it actually shows that he didn't have a leadership role model in his life. 
to grow him and and to lead him so that he can get out of this. And that's where as much as <laughs> when I was watching this, you know, it it felt cringy, but I also felt like I had to have a bit of empathy for him because it was very sad to be he's he is this way because he himself did not have those leadership roles and he doesn't have those skills to then create the environment for others to thrive. I love how, Jenny, you immediately have empathy for the hero slash anti-hero of the show here, Michael. And that is one of the things about Michael that's great is like even when you have the whole Toys for Tots thing, like the super cringe, bad leadership from Michael, you still want to love him anyway. You still want to help him and understand why did he do that and how can we make sure that in the future he knows the right way to deal with that situation. So that angle there, that definitely spoke to me because when you're in a workplace, eventually either you're going to have a manager or you're going to have somebody else that you work with that is going to have made it through their whole career and maybe never had really good leadership or mentorship. And so they might do the Michael Scott thing and they might make it all about them and how people see them and about them feeling like they were successful versus the team being successful. So I'd love by the end of this episode to have some ideas. Of course, this is Wonder Tour. We're going on a journey here. This isn't going to be some formulaic response by the end, but just some takeaways, some ideas of how we can address that sort of a situation when it comes up, when we're running across a person like that with empathy instead of with apathy. Yeah, how do you avoid resenting that situation? <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. I like the empathy angle, right? Because that's also kind of Michael's failure mode. Like the thing that we see about him is that he doesn't have any ability to look into other people's motivations or skills or anything other than the surface of how they're treating him in particular. And so he, he's not terribly skilled at motivating or organizing people. So should I bring in the, the what if here, Drew? Let's do it. What if uh, Michael did have empathy? What if Michael was a true leader of the basketball team instead of the self-appointed manager and superstar of the basketball team? What would that look like and how would this thing have gone differently? Open the floor, discuss. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. So one of the things is maybe, you know, is taking a step back and not playing, but creating that the environment and creating those conditions for others to thrive, right? And so he didn't let certain people play. And that's kind of an anti-leader thing is creating exclusion in a team. Um, that's one. What else? Yeah, that's a good point. Like you're taking up a space in the room just by being there, just by holding the ball, just by being on the court. That means that yeah. somebody else that might be really good isn't on the court, right? And in Michael's case, he maybe doesn't recognize, wouldn't be able to recognize who might be good. But we've got some people on the sidelines who could have been really great role players, who could have been key team members. And so that's a that's a, a responsibility of leadership, right? Is to identify the people that are well aligned with the problem that you're trying to solve and identify when maybe you're not the superstar. That would certainly be, it would have been a different vibe if, you know, if Phyllis had been on the court from the very beginning or if uh, Kevin was on the court at all. Yeah, it starts with empathy. Before you can create joy on a team, we have to try to understand how somebody is feeling or thinking. And you see that with some of the characters here where, you know, they want to help others to shine. I've actually seen this before. I'm not going to call out any players in particular, but you see this with like NBA players as they go through their career. Some players at some point come to understand I'm better at helping other people score. And so you'll hear them say, you know, usually after they've turned 30 or been playing in the league for, you know, 10 or 12 years, because it takes some time, just like all of us, for us to learn that lesson. Like, I'm probably going to score less this year. And I'm great with that. 
I understand now that the best way to win is by helping other people to succeed. And like basketball is a great team sport because everybody's involved all the time, whether you're on offense or defense. It's not like some other team sports where you can be you can take a playoff or something. You have to be involved for the good of your team. So just fundamentally, we kind of start off on the wrong foot on the office team in this episode. And it's not that the team members start off on the wrong foot, right? It's that Michael kind of inserts himself, takes on an undue responsibility for the team. And how do we start off right when we are? building a team or when we are taking on an initiative when we're just going to play a game and i think one way is just to check ourselves whether we're the leader of the team officially in terms of the org chart or we're a leader in our lives and we want to help the team and just say can somebody else do this better than me how can i lift other people on the team up because that's how we're going to end up winning yeah, so there's an element of checking your ego, right? There's an element of questioning whether just because you're sitting in the the, the, t- the head of the table chair or whatever, whether or not you should be in charge. But there's also an element of evidence-based decision-making, right? Like, is there any evidence I can play this game? Is there any evidence that some of these other people can play this game? Like, maybe that maybe that's a place to start. Like, if you're not quite sure, you know, who's going to succeed, what? How do you how do you find out? If you're not quite sure what's going to do, like, well, what has worked in the past or who has been able to do that in the past? And there's certainly some opportunities here. Like, again, this, this show is very well framed, right? So the, the audience clearly gets all the messages of, you know, the, uh, the characters in the office successfully shooting trash, you know, <laughs> stuff into the trash from 20 feet away. Like, oh, okay, they're showing us who should be on the team. It's very well laid out. It's fun. But there's, you know, all those opportunities are there. All those things are there available on the screen. And the, the comedy part of it is Michael not recognizing any of the obvious clues. So you like, again, it's opposite day. You don't whatever he's doing, just don't do that. How do we take more of a lighthearted approach to that? Because I think sometimes you got to be intentional with it and you have to like schedule time to sit down and think about it. But in the end, we want it to become very cultural and the mindset of how do I help other people to succeed? I want to take the back seat if I can take the back seat, even if my personality is like, I prefer to be on my feet. I prefer to be the one at the front because that is me. And you all probably know that, right? I love being the one who is leading the discussion, who is helping to facilitate. I love public speaking and all those things. And so I've had to come to realize that I can do that, but I only want to do that if if it's the time, if other people need it modeled or if we really need to tell the story in a certain way and I'm the best person to tell it. Otherwise, I would happily just back up, give somebody else an opportunity, let them learn, let them fail, even if that's what's got to happen here so that we can proceed better in the future. It's like taking that zoomed out perspective. It's like this isn't about one game, Michael. (laughs) This is about your team in the office. The basketball manager, Michael, is only concerned with one goal, having more points on the scoreboard at the end of the game so that we don't have to work on Saturday. Leader Michael would look at it and say, well, I can't even imagine what leader Michael would be. He takes on so many personalities in this show and we never once see leader Michael. But what would he say? What would he say? What would leader Michael do? (laughs) Well, going back to something you were talking about there, like, you know, about deciding when to be in the middle of something, right? I wonder if part of that is recognizing whether or not you're going to always be available to be in the middle. So Jenny probably has more experience with this than I do, right? But if you're if you're helping people coming up with ideas for something or figuring out how to carry something forward or, you know, framing up a project or framing up a, you know, how to solve a problem, if I'm not going to be there to solve that problem, if I'm not planning on engaging with this for the longer term, then it might be a good idea for me to make sure that the people that are going to have to solve the problem have some sense of ownership. They feel like it's their idea. They feel like it's their project. They feel like it's their opportunity to shine. 
So just because I'm in the room today doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea for me to be standing out today because I'm not going to, I'm not planning on being there tomorrow and somebody's going to have to keep working on this. So they, they should own it. They should care about it. They should believe that they got some agency over it. I wonder how, how that relates to this. And Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And that's where we see, you know, Daryl and the warehouse team, they, they agree, they step up and, you know, they make it their own and they show up in exactly how they need to be as, you know, participants, right? Like they, they form a team, they, they negotiate for themselves, right? They change what happens if, what does the losing team do? Uh, what happens to the winning team? And they can negotiate in that way, but you really see them step up and just do their part. They're not waiting on the sidelines. They play they have a lot of fun in that and when it's time to you know the disagreement at the end right they continue to own it and they can advocate and they're not yelling at each other when somebody else makes a good play or when something goes poorly right like you know they're there's they're not we don't see all the recrimination and backbiting no that's a good point yeah that's 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 definitely the counterexample. So what's our signature moment here? What's our moment, our mountaintop from this episode that sort of illustrates kind of what we're working up to is we've, we've got this episode where the, you know, the competition is completely invented, right? There's no reason they have to have a basketball game. But if you're going to do it, if this thing's going to happen, then people are doing their best. Everybody's engaged in it in one way or another. But one of the teams is more effective than the others, as Jerry just mentioned. So so what's our what's our signature moment here? Drew, you want to you want to frame it up for us? Yeah, so we have all of these crazy things that Michael's doing to try to bring the spotlight onto him here. And then, of course, he's deflecting the blame as soon as anything happens that makes him potentially look bad, because, again, he's focused on what people think of him and not who he's becoming. So the big moment here is Michael Scott at the free throw line. He, first of all, calls a foul that probably like ticky tack or doesn't even make any sense. It was almost certainly a floor foul and he's giving himself free throws for it for some reason. And then not only that, as soon as he's at the free throw line, he dribbles the ball for like 30 seconds. He takes forever. He goes through this whole process and then he just chucks the ball all the way over the backboard. It's hilarious. And I immediately, upon rewatching that, felt like that was relevant. That I see that at work. I see that in different social situations sometimes where you just have somebody who you really have empathy for that they maybe didn't have the best training or leadership or something. And so we're trying to move forward together as a team. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go to the center of the room. It's my turn to shoot free throws. And I'm going to take 20 minutes of this meeting to bring you all over here to talk about something I care about, even if this isn't the purpose of the meeting. It's not about me in the first place. And then at the end, to really put the cherry on top, they just chuck the ball over the backboard. It's like, okay, we did this whole charade. And in the end, we didn't even put the ball in the hoop at all. It was just, you made it all about you and then you just completely missed the mark. How do we have empathy for those people? What tactics can we use or what techniques can we use to help redirect that? Because I know, Jenny, in your world, you are leading people towards ideas and solutions. And yeah, you're not always working with people that have a full on background in what is the way to develop solutions that are good for humans. Sometimes maybe that that person just needs to see what it looks like when a team is working well, like they need to see success in action. Right. And you can highlight that. You can go, hey, look at what's happening over here. Why, look at look at Daryl and his team. Look at them passing the ball. Look at them shooting. Yes. Look at them celebrating for each other. That is a not only what we want to see, but they're getting the results. Right. It's hard. To, it's hard to argue with results. And so that's really powerful is if you have if you have somebody's showboating, 
if they're not getting the result, it's pretty easy to point out the counter example. It's like, okay, great. I'm glad, you know, glad to, glad you're excited about this. I'm glad you're engaged. Let's take a step back and figure out what we're trying to accomplish here. Because you can often, you know, you can often point to what that looks like. And in this case, yeah, we've got we've got Daryl as the counterexample, right? He's kind of he's quiet, but he's confident. He's trying to do the right thing. He's like, hey, we got a truck to unload. Oh, sorry. I don't, okay, you know, fine, whatever. You want to make a super big deal about it? You're the boss. All right, I'll participate in your crazy thing. Oh, you want to make a crazy big deal about the bet? Okay, fine. But he's standing up for principles. He's standing up for his team. And then, like Jenny said, he gets to the end. And he's like, no, we're not working on Saturday because you cheated to win. Like, no, I'm just going to stand here quietly and be like, no, and back my team up. That's the that's our counterexample. That's the what you could do to cultivate joy in your team. That's what you could do to avoid the everybody's in it for themselves. Even even the people that are finding joy on the office team, right? They're all showboating. Jim's trying to impress Pam and Dwight is playing whatever game he's playing, stealing the ball from his own team, right? Like everybody's kind of just a little bit self-centered and the, the, the warehouse team is clearly much more of a real team and therefore much more like actually likely to accomplish things. Yeah. And I think when you were saying of uh, like towards the end, when they're, you know, saying, no, we're not going to work on on Saturday, right? It's the leader is creating and protecting the, the rest of the team and standing up for it. And I think that's one of the things is Michael didn't do that for the office team. And it works both ways, right? Because then his whole team's there with him. Like they're all together. Yeah. Like he's got our back. So we're here, you know, we're here with you. And Michael's by himself. Nobody else is backing him up. Like, you know, yeah, because he's he got nothing he, to stand on. He didn't earn it, right? He didn't, he didn't earn anybody's respect. He didn't earn anybody's sense that they, that he was actually a team player. And that's so, you know, and that's just sports are the easiest of business cliches some of the time, but there's some really fun little moments and nuances in here. And, and it's, uh, it's fun to watch. Tell me what you all think about this, but it's the emotional aspect. We've been talking about empathy here, especially when you're playing a game, but you're doing this all the time, whatever game it is you're playing. It could be a project. It could be a meeting, whatever, right? You know, you can gamify everything. There's this emotional aspect and it can feel like sometimes those emotions get out of control, right? The game gets shut down at the end here because the emotions get too high. And the only reason that happens is because Michael is doing what he's doing. He's continuing to make everything about him and making it all about winning so that he doesn't have to work on Saturday and so that everybody thinks he's the best. But I think one thing a leader does know is that they have more influence on the emotions in the room than most people think. And that starts from right at the beginning, going back to what we said, if you start with the mindset, how do I lift somebody else up and help them to succeed? Then it will flow through the whole game that you're playing or project or meeting or whatever that, oh, I have control of the emotions in this room, not direct control, but indirect influence. And by being a person who is magnanimous, people just start to step up. It's crazy how that works, but I notice that all the time, right? You know, if I'm working with Jenny on something and we come in with a good plan, humility, really focused on the people in the meeting how are we going to help them even when you get the michael scott's in the room trying to detract you can still help everybody else to have joy because they can catch the joy that the people like us are casting in the room that the people like you the wanderer are casting into the room you can cast those emotions to people and what's more is you can you can pick them up and amplify them. If somebody in the office brings joy to you, brings an idea, brings a project, brings a, hey, I think I'm good at this, can I be involved to you? You do have the ability to amplify that, like, hey, look at this, this is really great. Why don't you work on that and help us figure it out and then we'll tell everybody else about it. 
or to completely squash it. Like you can't play basketball. Like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> you know, you have that, you know, that you're in the position of authority if you're in a leader. Right. And it's pretty easy to like, oh, that wasn't the movie I was making in my head. Right. The game I was intending to play. That's not how it works. And so I don't you know, whatever your idea is, you're wrong because you didn't didn't immediately align to my my concept or my preconception of how this was going to go. I've done that. Like I've a hundred percent, I can remember times in my career where somebody brought me an idea that I probably should have encouraged, right? Where I probably should have said, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to work out the way you proposed it, but I love the idea behind proposing it. And let's talk about how to fit you into it where I might've just said, uh, yeah, no, that's not right. Or, you know, I didn't, I didn't give it the opportunity to thrive. I, I definitely recognize those, those missed opportunities in retrospect. So how do you see those as they're happening? And even if you're sort of super excited about something and somebody comes up with a completely different idea, how do you how do you give that a little bit of daylight or how do you let that have an opportunity to grow? Yeah, that's actually a really good example you brought up, right? And when you're in this leadership role, you have the different responsibility. You you don't serve yourself anymore, right? So you, you can't come in with that mindset of, oh, I'm selfish. I'm playing the game for me. It's you're playing the game for others. And that's where like we talk about the power to influence the emotions of the room. If leaders create those conditions for growth, right? They they feel this fertile environment so people can experience joy so they can thrive and they can, you know, amplify each other and create. And so that can be manifested in different ways. Like when you lead, this is where, you know, how you give feedback, how you create psychological safety, how you take a step back so others can shine, you create space. And so in the example you gave of giving feedback, right, it's an associate comes to you and they have an idea. And one way not to do it is immediately shut it down. It's creating that open space for them to feel seen that, okay, I see your idea. And then where can you offer your voice and to direct them in the right path? You don't have to give them the answer, but it's that direction to set them on that path. And it's about that fertile environment. Nice. So we're almost getting to a gardening analogy here, right? Like, you know, if, if growth is a thing that we want, then... I can't grow something myself. I can give it the conditions for growth. I can give it sunlight. I can, you know, encourage the kind of seeds I want to see. But you can look for those seeds and say, okay, of of all the things you just said, this piece is really great and really well aligned with what we want, right? Or really well aligned with what we need. How do we reinforce that? How do we fit that into our our image of this garden? That's really cool. I love that. The leader's job is to create the conditions for growth. It's really to create the fertile ground and the environment that people can garden in. It's like teaching a person to fish, right? It's like we're not trying to do all the gardening for them and make all the food and make all the beauty just so they can enjoy it, because the real reward and the purpose in it is in them being able to do it themselves. So kind of to wrap us up here with our key takeaways, we started out talking about how we can be more like a hypothetical leader, Michael, versus the manager, Michael, and how that would involve thinking about how we can lift somebody else up in order to win instead of how we can be the ones who win. We talked about how we have the power to influence the emotions in the room. And not only that we can influence and we can put out emotions into the room, but we can amplify what other people are feeling or doing. And then Jenny brought it home with what we just said, leaders create conditions for growth. It fits right into our Wonder Tour Garden analogy that we like to talk about for what is the state for human flourishing. What did I miss here? Well, just the uh, kind of going back to the beginning, right? The the underlying skill that enables all of this stuff is empathy, is that you have to be able to look outside of yourself and see where other people are and what they're feeling and what they're thinking and be able to 
build upon what's there, right? Not just your preconceptions of what you might find or what you might need. Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this week. The Office Part 1. This is the basketball episode. We're going to come back next week uh, with Jenny once again, and we're going to continue on the Office theme. We're going to do a fun run, which is a big two-parter that started off Season 4. So really looking forward to that. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. And just remember, as always, character is destiny.